Well, if you are anything like me, and I hope you're not, you don't like being told what to do. You know, you don't want people saying you can't understand something or you can't learn something or you shouldn't be taught something because you're not capable of it. I'm, I'm the kind of person that when they tell me I'm not capable of something, I say, watch me. And then I usually injure myself trying to do whatever that is. But it seems, and this is just my viewpoint, which means it's probably wrong, that there are so many churches today that are teaching less and less doctrine. Uh, I was just doing a, a perusal of some of our, our local fellowships, and some of them are great. I have a few um, pastor friends around here that are doing an awesome job. But there's others, and I just I go on their website or I go on their whatever, their social media. What are you teaching? Like, what are you even about? And if you don't have Jesus' name somewhere in your, in your website, you got a problem. Like, what, what are you even gathering for? That led me to being the antagonist that I am. As we started going to, uh, as I started studying chapter, the end of chapter 2 here in 1 Corinthians, and we see this major doctrine, huge doctrine, speaking about the, the moving of the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit. And then I started to think about how, you know, the only God worth knowing is the real God, the true and living God. But how so many people are claiming to speak for him or to teach for him or to share for him, but they don't even know who he is. And then I, and as I started to roll that back a little bit, I started to realize most people don't even know who God is to begin with, Christians. Most Christians don't know who God is. And so today, as we are going through just a few verses at the end of chapter 2, we're going to be hitting a couple of very important points. Who is God? How does he express himself? How does he reveal himself? How does he show him, himself to us? And then more specifically, we're going to focus on the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, what is he like, how does he speak, how does he work? Because if you remember earlier in chapter 2, Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Good, because we don't have any of that here. But in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we've talked about the power of God last week. But how do we receive the power of God? It's through the Spirit of God. And Paul's been speaking about that. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Ask that the Spirit continues to work in us as we learn, and we'll go into verses 10 and 11 of chapter 2. Lord, thank you so much for who you are, the completeness of who you are. And we pray that you would reveal a little more of yourself to us this morning, that we would be able to share the complete gospel, Lord, that we would share a real God for real problems with the real world. We thank you that we do not have to speak with persuasive words, but by the power of your spirit. And we pray that you would have your way with us this morning through your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read verses 10 and 11 together of chapter 2. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man? which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except 
the Spirit of God. No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us that we need to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us for us to even seek after God, for us to even understand God. This is very important to the Christian. Why? Because we are learning that we do not discover God. We do not earn Him. We do not figure Him out. We do not conjure Him. We do not tell Him what to do. He is in charge. He reveals Himself. He had to come to us not the other way around. All of the faiths, all of the false faiths on the planet today are man trying to earn them way to God or their nirvana or their destination. Man does these things to get where he needs to go, to learn what he needs to learn. And then as you become a master in whatever cult or ism it is, you are unraveling and figuring these things out. We know that to know the true and the living God, he must reveal himself to us. That he teaches us, he instructs us, not the other way around. And he does that through the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is one of the most controversial subjects in the church today. In fact, I'm sure a few of you are like, oh, right, now we're going to get to the good stuff. And in some of you are like, oh, no, he's going to go crazy. This was such a good church, and now things are going to get whack. And and everything in between. That's why today we are going to have, and I'm known for references and biblical references, we are going to have reference after reference after reference after reference. And it's so important because we want a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say? Not what does the church say. What does church history say? What are the pastors or so-called pastors teaching about the Holy Spirit? No, God reveals himself through us. And as we study the word of God together, the Holy Spirit will come alongside in power and will make these things known to us. First and foremost, we must know that Jesus himself told us he was going to send the Holy Spirit and that it's a very big deal. In John chapter 14, Jesus was speaking and he was speaking about himself when he said, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Let's let that sit there for a minute. John 14, 24 through 26, is a beautiful description of the triunity of God the three persons of God. To know God, you must understand this doctrine of the Trinity. Unfortunately, there's too many fellowships out there that that don't like that word doctrine. They don't want to teach those things because they don't think you can figure it out. They don't think you're smart enough to figure it out. You want to have a big church? Don't teach these things they, they share. Well, remember, I told you, you can't tell me what not to do. So we're going to go right into it. Jesus said that God the Father sent him, and he sent him, John chapter 3, not that the world would be condemned, but that the world through him should be saved. And then Jesus here saying that when he departs, when he goes and ascends into heaven, he's going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit in the Greek, the word spirit means pneuma, like pneumatic tools, you know, air, wind, But that's not its complete description. Uh, 
the Faith Life Bible Dictionary says that the pneuma, the Greek word for spirit, is a movement of air including wind or breath. An animating life force, the immaterial inner essence of a human being, and an incorporeal supernatural being. What, that is just a fancy way of saying you can't see it. You can't see the wind, but the wind is there. Now, when can you see the wind? You can see, see it on the ship sails. You can see it on a wind vane. You can see the wind moving. You can see the leaves blowing. If you are in the low country of South Carolina, if it blows hard enough, you can see pine trees snapped in half. (laughs) Not bad for something you can't see. So how do you describe something you can't see? I think what's a little bit scarier for all of us is that we hear so many descriptions of the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He does and how He operates that we don't want anything to do with it because it's all wacky. That's why it's so important for us to stick to what the Bible says. Jesus told us that he is sending the Holy Spirit. If you, know, if you desire to know God, if you desire to know Jesus, if you have a desire to be in his word, if you have a desire to skip your Sunday morning routine and come to church and fellowship, these are all areas that we see the Holy Spirit moving in your life. The sails are full. The ship is moving. The Spirit of God is leading you. Now, I'm going to put a little side note here before we talk about the Lord a little bit more, the the Holy Spirit. I mentioned it last week, that there's a little brainwashing that we need to undo. Our culture tells us today that if you're a strong man, you do not touch things that are spiritual. Spiritual things are for sissies, you're taught. And I don't know when that happened in the United States, and I... I'm sure there's a good cultural study there, but that's not what the founding fathers taught. That's not what the founding fathers or even the first century of the United States taught. Something that has happened in the last century or so in the United States, this this brainwashing. But we can see that. We can see that that has traction. Why? Because the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit or the operation of the Spirit have been so incorrectly applied that the wackiest things in the world are what? They're, they're given to the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, if that's what the Holy Spirit is, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, have you ever received a message from someone and you're like, no, no, that's not from that person? Ah, let me give you an example. My son, Maverick, he's my youngest. If his sister comes to me and says, Dad, Maverick said I could have all of his candy. No, he did not say that. That does not come out of his mouth. You know right away when you know that person if what they're saying is true or not. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you know that thing that you can't see that you pretend that you don't have? That's right, I meant it. But you do have it, Jesus told us. And you see something like that and they're like, oh, the Holy Spirit, you go, no, no, I don't know. I may not know I'm perfect, but that's not him, no. And we have to apply that to our own lives. Each and every one of you, if you are confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as it says in the book of Acts, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't know it. So I'm just going to pretend like he doesn't exist. You're wrong. But your perception is not as important as the reality. The reality is the Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, I kind of have to like back up a little bit here. 
Because um, you ever talk to somebody who's really passionate about something, like, say, a sports team, and you don't really care about that sports team, but you ask them a question just to make some small talk, and then they go monologuing for 45 minutes, and you're just, like, rolling your eyes in the back of your head, like, really? I can do that as a pastor. And then I have to remind myself, we have all of 1 Corinthians to talk about this in details. So it's just a little reminder to me. We've got to keep moving. If you're that person here, though, that's like, yeah, 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 I don't, this is so uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about these spiritual things. I don't see them. I don't know them. I don't feel them. You're in good company because, remember, we're going to stick to what the Scripture says. He can't be seen. Earlier in John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. You can underline that, abide with you forever. How long? Forever, all the time, wherever you go. This is going to be important as we go through this study. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not sure. No, we're going to get to that. I just want you to start off knowing you're not crazy. You're not crazy. If you don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, if you don't even know the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that if you're a Jesus-confessing believer, you have him, and he abides with you forever. And it's important for us to remember who the Holy Spirit is. Up until recently, the Holy Spirit was known, at least in the English language, as the Holy Ghost. That's how he is uh, translated in the King James versions, but modern translations will put him as the Holy Spirit, that pneuma once again, that invisible force. He is the third person of the Trinity, and we're going to uh, rattle some cages here because many of us have a false understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. At least I used to think that the Holy Spirit was like the the third sidekick like maybe the family dog of the Spirit. And I don't mean that to be um, irreverent, but that he just does whatever the Father and the Son want to do. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has his own mind. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a co-equal person of God. Romans chapter 8 says that now he who searches the hearts knows that what the mind of the Spirit is, the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, this is important. The Holy Spirit has his own mind, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have a singular will of God. Are you confused? It's okay. It's okay. We're going to keep moving. The Holy Spirit has his own will in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So the Holy Spirit has His own will. But remember, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, their wills are unified. They they don't contradict each other. So let's recap just a little bit. First of all, it's very important as a as a believer, as a Bible-believing Christian, to understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are what's called a trinity. 
They are separate. They are co-equal. And they together are God. Jesus says if you want to know God the Father, you know, you, just to know him is to know God the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if you want a better understanding of who God the Father is, we study Jesus. If you want to have a better understanding of who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit leads us. He's the spirit of truth. He guides us in the word of God. He guides us in our direction of Jesus. And then God the Father is always pointing to his son. Behold my son. Behold my son. He's always pointing to his son. They're always in unison working together. Now, there are other attributes to the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 63, we see that the Holy Spirit can be grieved in Isaiah 63, verse 10. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, we're told that the Holy Spirit gives us joy. The Holy Spirit can give you joy. He testifies, he convicts, he leads, he empowers. All these different attributes just to the Holy Spirit. This is important. Starting with the very first portion of our sermon today, that is that God reveals himself, man does not reveal God. Why is that important? Because too many people today believe they can conjure the Holy Spirit. They feel like they can command the Holy Spirit. They feel like they tell the Holy Spirit what to do. No, no, no. Very important for all of us. We are receivers, not transceivers. We receive. He has his will, and his will is not our will. His will is not our will. Now, what did it say here in verse 10? God, back to chapter 2 of Corinthians, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. What things? For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Without the Spirit of God, we don't even have a desire for the deep things of God. What are the deep things of God? If you're like me, you're like, man, I don't want to be missing out. I think last week I used the analogy of the, uh, the buffet. And I said, man, I want to get to the dessert portion of the, 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 the Wow, let's try that in English. I want to get to the dessert table of the buffet. I want the best. I want to experience the best. I want all that God has for me. Well, if you want all that God has for you, you need to experience the Holy Spirit. But, Mike, you just told us you can't see the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I'm just whetting your appetite. We're going to talk about this as we continue. But we want to experience those deep things of God, and we know, verse 11, chapter 2, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. If you want to know the things of God, you need the Spirit of God. Relax. Remember, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit and seals us with it, and he's ours forever, forever. You can't lose the Holy Spirit. You can't lose the Holy Even if you don't feel him, you don't sense him, maybe you're even struggling with anxiety or depression, maybe you feel like God's forsaken you, Go to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the power of God will encourage you through the Word of God to reveal to you, you can't lose the Holy Spirit, ever. Greater is He that is in you than is in the world. Well, who's in you? The Holy Spirit. You're sealed. Who can break God's seal? No one. No one. So relax. Be comforted. 
It's one of the ways we know the Holy Spirit fills us with joy because we don't have to earn these things. Remember, we are receivers and not transfeivers. We don't earn the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember that. We don't earn the Holy Spirit. What attribute of God do you receive by earning it? None. None. The righteousness of God is given freely to those who believe because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not by works. Salvation doesn't come by works, and neither does anything else. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now let's highlight verse 12 here in chapter 2. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. If there is an underlined verse in this chapter, this is it. You know, you go to a party, you go to a birthday party, and some, you know, I don't do it. My wife, she's the nice one. She does this kind of thing. They gives you the gift bag to go. You know, all the kids get a little gift bag with all the gifts in it. Well, this is your gift bag. This is your take home. That we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Well, let's look at that a little bit. That we might know. Knowing means understanding, receiving, using. Not, ah, I kind of get it, but I don't. No, no, God's going to teach you it. What else? Freely given. If you're a Dutch cheapskate like I am, you underline free. Doesn't mean cheap, though. It doesn't mean cheap. Do we earn it? No, it's freely given. Freely. It's given. Freely given. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. That's not in the the sentence there. I don't see that in the verse. Yeah, yeah, but I'm backslidden. Not in there. Yeah, but I I haven't gone to church for 25 years. Not in the book. It says freely given. By who? By God. God gives it to you freely. The same way that he gives you salvation, he gives it to you. In fact, most of you are using it and just not understanding it, just not even knowing it. But that's the whole point. The scripture tells us you can't see him. We're going to look for his attributes we got to look for those pine trees snapping, those sails blowing, those leaves going. And we're like, oh, he's here. But remember, he has his own will. We don't conjure him. I'm going to pause right here for a second. We're going to have a little story time. The Calvary Chapel movement is unique and yet not unique. In the 1960s and early 70s, God did something that is supernatural. We call that a moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us have the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of God uniquely decided at that time to use the craziest, weirdest people on the planet. Of course, they're in California. (laughs) And had a supernatural working God. What did they do to earn it? Nothing. Were they smart? No. If you study them today, you're going to be like, how did God even save them? But he did. And he used them. And thousands and tens of thousands of people got saved. And people that were on drugs and people that were from broken homes and people that had lost their mind, they're being baptized in the Pacific Ocean and going to church, listening to a fat, balding old man who happens to be one of the most important people in my life. And they started receiving from him. And for decades since, we've been trying to do it. We've been trying to make it happen again. What am I teaching us here? We can't make this happen. Because the Spirit does whatever He pleases. He moves when He wants to move. So when we have an afterglow on a Wednesday night, be like, well, you know, the Spirit's not really moving. Because He doesn't want to. 
He'll move when he wants to move. Now, that doesn't mean he's not working. It just means that he does what he wants when he wants to do it, and none of us can make him because he's kind of like us. You don't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. Now, if you're going to a place where the Holy Spirit's moving the exact same way at the exact same time, the exact same way that the pastor wants you to do it, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I think that's something else. Now, you keep thinking to yourself, he keeps talking about the Spirit, but I don't even know what he's talking about. How do you explain the wind? How how do you explain something that's invisible? Well, whenever we are learning about God, we stick to the Bible, the Word of God. Don't take it from people. And definitely don't trust anyone's experience or any man's wisdom. What does the Bible tell us? We're going to go through it in detail in chapter 6, but let's point out one verse, verse 19 of chapter 6. He says, or do you not know? Well, yes, for many of us, we don't. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Look at this for a moment. Again, we're going to go in more detail in chapter 6. Do you not know? It is possible not to know that the Holy Spirit is in you. That's important. That's encouraging to me. I don't know if it's encouraging to you. Like, yeah, you could not know he's in there, but he is. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. Not it is in you. He is in you. And you have it from God because God has his way with us. We are God's. This is so important because there's so many people that we know that are trying to conjure the Holy Spirit at any given time. What do I mean by that? You know, these are foundational principles that the Holy Spirit is part of the triune being of God. Uh, That is to say, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. If you don't confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know God because he hasn't given you the Holy Spirit to reveal the things of God. You need to have a relationship with all three. They're found through Jesus, and they're revealed through the Word of God. That's why here at Calvary Chapel Low Country, we repeat over and over again. It is built into our DNA, reading, praying, and fellowship. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word of God keeps us all stable, instructs us. And we also believe that we need to pray and have a personal relationship with God because He fills us with the Holy Spirit and He gives us desire to want to know more of the Word of God and to interpret the Scriptures. We need to remind ourselves through the Bible that the Holy Spirit comes and the love of God is poured out through the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I told you, the references were just going to come today like a waterfall. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. They always keep emphasizing this given freely, given freely, not earned, not made, not manufactured. That means when you're in your lowest of your low. You know, you put your head in the pillow at night. Maybe you're weeping. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you have anxiety. Maybe you're angry. You have all these emotions going through. You just feel like God has abandoned you. Even in those moments, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. He has given you everything that you know that pertains to a life of godliness. He has given you joy. We have to receive it. 
<coughs> now, if you've been religiously indoctrinated, you say, oh, you have to receive something. That means I've got to give some money. No, it is free. And not only that, you don't see it. So, Mike, you're telling me to receive something that I cannot see. Yes. Fundamental doctrines. That when your head hits that pillow, and there's no one there but you and God, and you're at a crisis point, and you feel like there's nothing, and you're ready to throw in the towel, the just shall live by faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. Now, faith is the substance of things not seen. You don't know it. You don't feel it. And there you are in the dark, and you're just like, I got nothing. And you're like, and I, I pray you fill me with the Holy Spirit. And then you're looking at the wall, and you're like, I don't feel anything. He's there. That's when we go to the Word of God. He has freely given. The love of God has been poured out through the Spirit of God. He never left you to begin with. And so you need to receive that joy by faith, that anchor of our soul, the hope through Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for many. The Bible tells us that what is the proof of God's love? That he gave his only begotten son. And then you will realize in that crisis point that we are not Holy Spirit Jedi. You don't just start moving things in the room. We're not Marvel superheroes or DC for you guys that are super upset about that kind of stuff. Those things are just lies for our entertainment. We're not superheroes. Paul in this chapter just got through saying that God doesn't use the wise. He uses the least to confound the wise. He uses the worst. He uses the castoffs and the rejects, the nobodies. And he does it whenever he wants to. And then he tells us through his word that we're not spiritual giants, not Christian superheroes. We're nobodies that have been saved by God, and he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, whether you have earned it or not. That's grace. Unmerited, unearned favor. You didn't know there was so much to being a Christian. See, we talk about it all the time, but we don't really talk about what it means to live in the Spirit. Well, we say stuff like that all the time. And we think, man, to live in the Spirit, that's the guy that feels good and laughs and smiling all the time. Nope. David was living in the Spirit without even knowing it when he was in the caves hiding from Saul, praying, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. They surround me. Because he was living by faith. Abraham, when he was heading to the promised land, she never got to go to. He was living by faith. Abraham was justified by his faith. The apostles, there at Pentecost, in the upper room, praying, when the Holy Spirit came down and manifested himself in that unique way, they were just receiving what God had done. Not many weeks earlier, Peter had rejected God, rejected the Lord. What did he do to earn it? Nothing. What does it mean when we say walk in the Spirit? The Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit and we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Man, we must be in a spiritual high all the time. Absolutely not biblical. It has nothing to do with our feelings. It has everything to do with facts. Because God has freely given us these things. 
That's why, as a Christian, your walk with God needs to be firmly established in the Word of God. And then we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we're going to be talking about that ad nauseum. You're going to be so sick of the gifts of the Spirit by the end of 1 Corinthians? No, you're not. You're going to be... I know, I can't tell you what to do. You can't tell me what to do. I won't tell you what to do. But what does it mean to have the gifts of the Spirit in operation? Well, it's so important that we spend this morning talking about these foundational truths. You don't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. He gives you the gifts He wants to give you when He wants to give them to you. Again, we don't conjure these things. We are the receivers not the transmitters. Now let's read verses 13 and 14 because Paul's going to continue here. He says, These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches by which the Holy Spirit teaches, excuse me, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is a breath of fresh air to me because spiritually speaking, I've said this before and I've I've gotten some flack for it. I will say things like, I'm a spiritually dead person. I don't go around feeling things at all. In fact, I spend most of my time trying not to feel things. It's just a defense mechanism for me. And so to hear that, you know, the spiritual things are not discerned these ways, and that the world doesn't know it, understanding that, yes, it's been freely given, but that they're, they're foolishness to many people. I'm like, right on. Okay, great. That's an encouragement to me. I'm not crazy. But then it says we can know them because they are spiritually discerned. I was like, oh, buddy, now we're getting into some weird feely stuff, right? Spiritually discerned. But then when I back that up a little bit and I begin to look at what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit comes alongside, how, no, we can't see the Holy Spirit. We don't understand Him so much other than what He gives us through the Word of God. I am relieved to know that He'll show Himself to us. You know, I'm just going to give some personal application about the Spirit of God because um, that's what speaks to me. And also because... You just can't explain somebody unless you know that person, right? What do I, what do I mean by that? You know, when, uh, when Megan and I first started dating all the way back in high school, I, I remember our first date. I think we spoke 15 words total to each other because we had no idea anything about each other. And we were just so worried about saying something that would upset the other person, or they wouldn't like me, or I wouldn't like her. Now, I only know that from her perspective because she told me later. But you had to get to know them. And so if anybody told me anything about her, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'd take notes. Oh, oh okay, she likes that. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Because I, I didn't know. Now, 20 years later, if somebody came to me and said, oh, you know, uh, Megan really likes this, I'd be like, no, she doesn't. Because I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, she said this thing and the other thing. Ah, no, she did not, because I know. I know her. I know her better than she knows herself at this point. When you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's the same way. You know, at first you're like, I, I don't get any of this. 
But then after a while, when you begin to have those conversations, when you be in the confines of the Word of God, remember the, the Bible never contradicts itself. God never contradicts himself. We, we see that the Holy Spirit, he does speak to us. Now, I'm going to give some of you a disclaimer. We're going to clarify some of these things, and I'm going to use some examples that may hurt some feelings. But we want to keep things biblical. But in Hebrews chapter 3, it does say that the Holy Spirit speaks to us in verses 7 through 8. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and the day of of trial in the wilderness. Remember that story I told last week with Landon sharing with those Bible verses? The Holy Spirit spoke through him. The Holy Spirit, 99% of the time, in my experience, will use the word of God. Because, remember, it's a triune being. They work together. Have you ever heard anyone say anything that's just not biblical and then say that God told them to do that? Or, I feel like God's telling me to do this. Because I'm into some dangerous territory right here when I say that the Holy Spirit can come along and confirm something. Or the Holy Spirit can give you a word to share with someone. Or that the Holy Spirit can give you a peace about something. Because this is the most abused portion of the Holy Spirit in the Christian walk that we will see anywhere. I felt like God was telling me, followed by the most utter nonsense on the face of the planet. How can we say that? Because it's not biblical. God does not contradict himself. And the Holy Spirit will not contradict the word of God. Now, I told you I was going to use a lightning rod example. But this just happened to me recently. Somebody sent me something. And a a woman pastor was saying how, was sharing her testimony about how the Lord led her into ministry. And she was sharing about how she felt this and she experienced that and it was the Holy Spirit. The issue I have with that is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. So the scripture is right or she is right. I mean, why use an easy example, right? <laughs> why pick a softball one? You can't tell me what to do. So now you have a person who's saying, well, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something. And then you're like, well, I don't think so. Not if we're going to take this verse at face value. So does the Holy Spirit contradict the word of God? Absolutely not. And so many people will say, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want anything to do with it because it's so misused. Yeah, but you drove here, didn't you? How many people are driving improperly? I'm pretty sure half of your driving experience is you criticizing people who can't drive. Doesn't stop any of us. Most of you are criticizing your spouse. (laughs) Doesn't mean you stop driving altogether. In what area of life do you stop doing something because it's abused? I mean, the voting populace, half of them are voting wrong every time. I'm happy to tell them which way to vote. It doesn't stop me from voting. Your relationship with God and what the Word of God is telling you to do in your walk is nowhere needing to be compared with other people or the misuse or the abuse of anything. We need to continue to grow in these areas and to experience these areas. 
And we need to, yes, especially you, those of you that are like me, that are like, nah, I just I don't want to have anything to do with it. No, but check yourself. You know, Make sure if you do feel like the Lord's leading you to do something, confirm it with Scripture. Find two or three other brothers or sisters that can confirm that thing. Get it tested out. The, in fact, the Bible, stick to the Bible, tells us to test the spirits. Test them. Don't take any of these things at face value. None of them. I'll give you an example. This is this morning. My, my son, Maverick, he's going to be the topic of discussion today. Nothing bad. But he gets all this food for breakfast. If you've seen him running around here, he is the tiniest guy here. Of course he doesn't eat a fraction of it. I said, son, why did you get all that? I was hungry. He, he felt like he was going to eat it all. But he didn't eat any of it. He poked at it. I said, stop wasting my stuff. What am I trying to get at? Hey, some of us, we're really immature with our feelings, and we make mistakes. That doesn't mean that you, quote, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We do what the Bible says. Because remember, only a real God is worth knowing. Only a real God is worth knowing. Now, let's close out this chapter, verses 15 through 16. But he who is spiritual does what? Judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's present tense. We have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? He is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If you, if you stay in your Bible and you grow in him and you grow in the word of God, you will know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, what did Jesus say? If you have known me, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And you will begin to grow in your relationship. And then when somebody comes to you and says, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me, you'd be like, that is not God. I know him. That is not him. You poor thing. And then hopefully... You can explain them, and you can share them, and you can introduce them to God. Unfortunately, too many fellowships today are going in the opposite direction. They won't teach the Trinity. They won't teach salvation through Christ alone. They won't teach being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They won't teach the attributes of God. They won't make any doctrinal statements other than that Jesus loves them, and they feel like filling up the building is somehow working for God. And I'm sitting here, and I'm sorry. I'm, maybe I'm a pessimist. Maybe I'm just the antagonist. They don't even know the God that they're worshiping. What is the point when he says he has freely given us these things? Well, Mike, how can you say that? Because the Bible just said so. That's how I can say those things. But I want to reverse backtrack, because you may be like, this is way over my head. I don't know what to do. This is just too much. It's okay. Because in Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That means the Holy Spirit comes and fills the gaps. It means a couple of different things. It means... When you're trying to learn about the Holy Spirit and you're making mistakes and you're trying these things out, he's going to step in the gap and he's going to give you encouragement. It means that when you do something really, really dumb, he's going to be there to help you. It also means that when you're 
at that crisis point, it's nighttime, you're by yourself, your spouse has fallen asleep, you're crying yourself to sleep, you have this panic attack, this anxiety, this fear, or you feel nothing, and you feel like you have no relationship with God because you feel nothing, and you just let out that groan, ugh, the Holy Spirit is interpreting that language, and God knows. He's helping you. He's encouraging you. You wouldn't even be thinking about God in that moment if you didn't have the Spirit of God powering your sails. And then you can have a moment of joy by faith knowing, thank you, Lord. I don't make this happen. You do. Not me, not what I've done, not what I'm going to do, what what I can do, what I can't do, not what I haven't done. Lord, you do it. You have done it. I simply receive it. I hope that when you leave here today, you have a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and a better understanding of God himself. I hope that you leave here knowing by God's promise, not ours, that he abides in you. He abides in you if you're a believer this morning. I pray that you begin to grow in the deep things of God, as it said in verse 10. And then I pray that you're able to share it with other brothers and sisters, encouraging one another in godly love. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, what you're doing, who you're doing it through, and how and why. We pray the best prayers because you told us to ask for them. And we pray for a moving of your spirit here, a unique moving of your spirit as you see fit. Because we can't earn it, Lord. But we're happy to put up the sails. And when you decide to move, Lord, we just want to be ready. Lord, I pray for those here this morning that came in here knowing very little, and I pray that you fill them afresh with a desire to want to know you and experience you. For those that have experienced you, and maybe they came in a little dry this morning, Lord, I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. Empower us, lead us, write your word on the tablets of our heart. And we pray that your will would be done and that you would be magnified above all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you, did, if you need to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, come on up. We'd love to pray with you and share some things with you. I pray that you continue to seek after the Lord and his Holy Spirit, and I look forward to seeing you this week. God bless you and have a wonderful week.